0: Hello, all, and welcome to the Blue Diamond. This is Adre with something to say. And yes, it's been a minute since I've been with you guys, but I am super excited to start season two of the Blue Diamond. And I think it's fitting that I'm starting in February because. This episode is about black history. I'm going to start the episode out by uh, reciting a poem that I wrote at the beginning of January because I was invited to um, recite a piece of poetry at a Martin Luther King Jr. event. So I'm going to share that with you. It is untitled, uh, but I think it's a great way to get season two started. So here goes. I'm still standing, and for a long time now, wondering when all of this is going to come to an end, wondering when that change is going to come when I no longer have to bend, bend beyond what is reasonable. Will I get a chance to see this change while I'm still standing? Where am I supposed to get my hope? When I look around, I see disparity, I see anger, I see anguish, I see pain. But now and then, I see a group of folks still standing because they have so much to gain. Standing together and risking it all to promote love, hope, peace, and change. Then I remember how I felt that day, standing there, looking at that stone face. There it stood, this powerful figure that was once nothing more than stone, and as I was in awe of the majestic sight, I could see the look of hope carved in his face. Not carved by the mason's hand, but carved by all the battles he fought defending my race, defending my right to stand. I could not control the mixed feelings that were evoked as thoughts and of suffering yet yearning were poked oh yeah this is why i'm still standing sometimes i need to remind myself that he came before me that i may stand on his legacy and this is why i keep hoping and wishing and praying there he stands amongst those who some call great He stands to fight oppression and to stop hate. And I wonder how he would feel if today he were to appear to watch as we continue to fight the same battles. Would he say victory is near? Yet I feel a duty to keep hope alive and to show others they should strive for greatness. The greatness that Dr. Martin Luther King dedicated his life to showing us the greatness that exudes from that larger of life statue of stone if only every American could stand in the presence of that statue and realize they are not alone they are not alone because the hope and determination that Dr. King continuously expressed is for all and if together we stand we shall not fall fall victim to tyranny hate and ignorance I am glad his presence can still be felt amongst us. I am thankful that we can stand on his legacy and I am proud to do the work necessary to count myself amongst those who are demanding what is right, who won't stop and won't back down but are still standing. So may his work carry on and may his hope be ever expanding. So, I hope you enjoyed that little piece. Um, No, I'm not a poet. Uh, Yes, I do write poetry don't normally um, recite my poetry out loud although I have um, on occasion so anyway I just wanted to get things started with that um, and then delve into a couple of other things that pertain to black history. The first thing I want to briefly talk about is something I saw on the news I don't know if you guys are aware of this but there's some uh, school district somewhere in Utah I don't know which one specifically I simply can't remember but anyway it was on the news because parents have been um, complaining that they do not want their children partaking in the black history lessons I pause for real yes that's a real thing they do not want their children participating in In black history lessons and the school district has decided that the students can opt out that is the most asinine thing I have ever heard the students can opt out of the lesson black history is American history black history should be celebrated 365 days a year 366 days, a sleep year. That's how and when black history should be celebrated. We call it black history because it is that very specific segment of American history when we talk about the contributions that black America has made to this country. And see, what really needs to happen is... All lessons should be multicultural. I don't care if you are teaching physics, if you are teaching the alphabet, if you are teaching math, literature, religion, gym class. Whatever you are teaching, you should weave diversity and multiculturalism into those classes i know usually when they talk about black history there's some kind of assembly at school uh that a school um organization one of the school groups does and and maybe the history department or social studies department you know you know whatever but it really should be across the board uh no matter what the subject matter is because if you're talking about physics you can add multiculturalism to that when you talk about uh history you can do it when you talk about mathematics you can do it when you talk about gym you can you can do these things it shouldn't be this segment and then at that it's such a tiny segment that people want to opt out of it it's just absolutely absurd it just people are making a conscious decision to keep their children ignorant so that their children will grow up to make stupid ass comments let me give you an example so i um was at a friend's house this past weekend to watch the super bowl one of my friends um is a white male and they were showing the segment of um, Alicia Keys singing Lift Every Voice and Sing the Black National Anthem. It was that same clip that they played back in September um, at the beginning of the football season. So I was excited that they were playing it but wished that it had been live Um and just not an old recording. They make a big, huge deal out of the Star Up Banner and have a you know celebrity guest sing it. And I just thought it would be great if the NFL had done that with lift Up Your voice and sing. But you know, baby steps, right? So I'm receiving what they're putting out right now, and you know, so I, I make the comment and I'm glad about it. Just wish it wasn't recorded. And um. My friend says that, uh, he said, there's a black national anthem. And I said, yes, you know, that's it right there. Lift every voice and sing. And uh, he said, well, that must be new. When did that happen? I never heard of it. And I said, no, it's it's not new. And he said, so where would they play it? Where do you hear that? And I said, well, if you go to a sporting event at any HBCU, you're going to hear it. They're going to play it before every sporting event and we're gonna stand and we're gonna salute and we're gonna sing along because I know every word and then I mentioned how when my sister was pregnant with her first child I bought the book um, that has um, the lyrics in it um, but written as a story because it's an easy way for kids to learn a song and as soon as I found out she was pregnant I bought it right away And that child is now 24 years old. So, um, so anyway, um, he was a little taken aback and said, well, that sounds segregated to me. So I heard what he said. I paused for a moment. The wheels were turning really, really fast because I couldn't just let that go um but there I couldn't let it go. I had to say something. But in my head I'm thinking number 1 I don't want um an argument, right? I don't want to be confrontational. We're here to to, to um watch Super Bowl, eat good food and have a good time. Um and also I want to educate this person in Uh, A confrontation is not going to educate anybody. It's just going to work up nerves. So, when he made the comment, oh, well, that sounds segregated to me. I said, oh my goodness, I'm so glad you said that and you recognize that and you use the word segregated. So much of black culture is born out of segregation. And i think Thank you for acknowledging that. So there's so much of our own we had to create because we weren't allowed. We weren't allowed to sit at the front of the bus. We weren't allowed to use the same bathroom. We weren't allowed to go in the front door of the um, restaurant. We weren't allowed to stay at the same hotels. And we weren't allowed to be educated. So there's so much we weren't allowed to do because of segregation i said that's the perfect word and so we developed all of our own we developed our own magazines like jet and ebony our own radio stations and our own television station our own award ceremony so much was born out of segregation i said even the foods that we eat we have our own culinary culture Some people call it plantation food. Some people call it slave food. Some people call it soul food, you know, or a combination thereof. But again, born out of segregation, born out of us as black people not um, being allowed to um, or having access to certain foods and having to take the quote unquote undesirable parts Of the animal, the entrails of the animal, and my forefathers and my foremothers learned how to whip up some recipes and throw some seasoning on the food and make it not not just edible but absolutely delicious. And sure, we now have access to all kinds of food, but my family still has soul food on Sundays and on holidays. Sure, I could go to a great um, restaurant and eat other types of food when I'm in the mood for it. But when I'm celebrating my black culture, I eat that food that was born out of segregation. And when I went to Howard University, a historically black university, again, born out of segregation in 1867, I proudly stood and sang, Lift every voice and sing at every event. And yes, I could have gone to a white a predominantly white university, uh, because now I, I actually am allowed to. But I wanted to explore my history. And it wasn't like HBCUs were going to shut down now that black folks could go to predominantly white universities. It's not like we were going to um, get rid of uh, our radio stations now that they were playing us on um you know, our music on other radio stations, you know, it's not like we were going to stop making our own movies, because now they're putting us in movies, and we tend to not be the first one to die anymore, we've we've made it to the second person, and sometimes we actually survive, um, what was it, what was the name of that movie, L.L. lived, survived, in? Um, something about a with sharks, I can't remember the name of it um, Deep Blue Sea was that it? No, I don't think so but you know what I'm talking about so anyway, I made the conversation very light hearted and almost like I was agreeing with him yes, segregation, that's the word he didn't say anything <laughs> what was he going to say after that um, I think that I educated him a little bit. And made uh, him aware of a different perspective. Um, he may not like what I said. But I only shared facts. Of you know what happened. Um, <laughs> so that was one approach. But the, the whole point of it is. He made that stupid ass comment. To begin with. Because he was bathing in ignorance at the time. And when you decide you don't want your child to uh, learn a segment of history, then you're deciding you want your child to stay ignorant. Because, see, what those families in Utah don't understand is that Black history is their history. You don't have to be black for it to be your history. It's just history about black folks and their contribution. It's not history for black folks. It's history for everyone. So it's just uh, so difficult. And I think it's going to take us a very long time to... To change the world. To change the view. At least another century. (laughs) I saw this documentary the other day. Called The Confessions of a Time Traveler. The Man from 3036. It was very interesting. I do not think this man. (laughs) Is really from 3036. However. I absolutely believe. That he believed. He was from 3036. Um. So anyway, in the interview on this documentary, he has created this entire future, the future of 3036, which he also says is the end, right? That's when humanity ceases to exist. But he, in a very fleeting moment, he made a comment that indicated that people are not um, well, no. How should I word it? Race is not something that's divisive. Uh, there are other things, um, not finances, because the world just works differently there. Um, in in his future, uh, religion, yes, religion is against the law in his future, so you have to um, live underground. If you want to practice your religion, you have to be—you have to do it in hiding. Um, he also talked about how everyone is chipped, and if you refuse to get chipped, then you have to um, also live underground, and you're called a beneath'er. But the thing that really stood out to me was his comment um, about how they're taught that everybody is, is equal. And I do wish that the interviewer had touched on that and and dug a little deeper, Uh, but it wasn't something that was really uh, interesting to him. He wasn't trying to figure out the anthropology of the time. Uh, He was more interested in, uh, you know, how the guy got here, you know, why was he here, um, more that kind of stuff so I mean he wanted to know some of you know the way life is but that wasn't something that he really wanted to know about I was interested in it because this guy obviously is not from 3036 but he was he's developed a future in his head and and this is a a white man and I think he's like in his mid 30s or whatever and he had enough sense to know that this racism bullshit is exactly that it's it's bs excuse my language you know it's ignorance and we cannot continue to carry it uh with us and he had a name for this era that we are currently living in <laughs> um It was something simple like the idiot era or something like that. But it's what this time that we are currently living in is thought of in the future. And I I can see that. I mean, (laughs) I can see that real easy. Uh, But anyway, I just thought that was interesting. Uh, I wish I could have spoken to that man. uh, Because I want to know why he added that to his future. So, anyway, so I've gone off on a tangent, not at all what I intended to talk about, but it popped into my head. Um, so anyway, I want to put a call to action out there. I would like all of my black African American friends to find three allies. I want you to have a light-hearted conversation with each ally. Find a topic that you have in common with each one and talk to them about that talk it, I'm sorry that topic, but uh, weave in some black history. Maybe you're talking about music, maybe you're talking about food, maybe you're talking about dance, maybe you're talking about art, politics, um, religion, jewelry, anything you could be talking about. you can weave in some black history slash black culture into the conversation. And it's not like you're um, trying to trick the person. It's just that you're having a more lighthearted conversation and educating them. And then ask each one of your three allies to now go have a conversation with three other folks, and if everybody follows through by the time this is done, you as an individual will have touched twelve people right That's the nine ten eleven twelve yes, twelve people. I'm doing back of the envelope math, you know <laughs> so anyway, um, I ask you to do that. No change is going to come as long as we just continue to talk to each other. i uh do the work that I can. In the my local branch of the NAACP, as well um, as the Diaspora Multicultural Society that I belong to, I'm getting ready to host my first two Black History Month events, and so I'm super excited about that. In um, one of them, we're going to watch American Skin, and then have a conversation about it over dinner. Um, that's what the you know the plan is for the event. So. You can do something on a individual scale, on a much smaller scale, by simply sitting down and having a glass of wine or, or a stein of beer uh, with a friend and having a conversation and asking them to carry that conversation on. Now please be mindful that allies are at different stages in their allyship. There are some allies who are very new to the game. And they're comfortable marching in a crowd but not really saying anything they're comfortable standing at a rally but not really saying anything Uh, but they're there for support and that is important then you have other allies who are willing to sit down with black and brown folks and you know learn some things and then Share that with other white allies um, and then you have some who are willing to have very hard conversations with people whose thought process is the polar opposite of theirs for example I have a neighbor um, I don't even know her name which is a shame on me um, we've only ever had one conversation she's a white woman from the south and she has a Black Lives Matter sign in her yard and she stopped me one day as I was walking down the street with my protesting sign and thanked me for what I was doing and then talked to me about the hard conversations that she continues to have with her family members who still reside in the South and just don't get it. They don't understand the phrase Black Lives Matter. They have put their own um four-letter word behind it so to them they hear black lives matter only whereas my four-letter word is also black lives matter also um and she you know so that's what i was telling her um but she was saying how she's had such a hard time explaining but she's willing to have that very hard conversation so she's further along in her allyship and also some people um, are simply more comfortable than others and will always be but you know your friends and you should know their comfort level um, but make it a light-hearted conversation we've got to get this work done you guys we can't stop here. And I know that uh, people say, uh, you know, enough um, talking, talking, time for talk is over. Time for talk can never be over. We have to continue to have these hard conversations. We have to continue explaining. And while we may get tired of it, I'm thinking about, you know, four generations from now. Why? Why should four generations from now still have to put up with the same BS? Why? We have to nip this in the bud. Let's start having these conversations. Alrighty. This is Adre signing off. I hope you enjoyed that segment and thank you for listening. Don't forget to tell your friends. You can always find me online at anchor.fm slash The Blue Diamond. You can also find me on the Anchor app, on Breaker, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Overcast, Pocket Casts, Radio Public, and Spotify.